Hello everyone, this is Ron Stiver, President of System Clinical Services and Value-Based Care. Pleased to be with you for our next podcast and really excited about the guests we have with us today. Two, one is uh, Dr. Greg Kyre, who um, recently came into the role of Senior Vice President of Population and Community Health as well as CMO of System Clinical Services, and Dr. Karen Amstutz, who is our Vice President of Community Health. Uh, and today, Greg and Karen are going to really be focusing on uh, all the good work that we're doing in community health. And so I want to uh, start by thanking Greg and Karen for you being with us today. And I think as our listeners are now well accustomed to, we typically like to start with a bit of an icebreaker. And that icebreaker is, and, and Greg, we'll start with you when you're 10 years old or so. What, what did you want to be at that time when you're thinking about growing up? Yeah, really, ever since I've been four years old, I mean, the only thing I've ever said I wanted to be was a doctor, you know, so I really do, you know, feel blessed that uh, I've been able to spend the last, you know, nearly 60 years uh, since then uh, actually being able to, to do that. So, uh, you know, blessed that uh, uh, I get to, to do really the career that it uh, only been my, my only dream of my life. Oh, well, we're, we're, we're the better for it. Karen, same question. Ten years old, what, what did you want to be when you grew up? So, Ron, when I was 10, I think what I wanted to be was a college student. And I think I still want to be a college student. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Well, tell me, tell me why. What was it? And I'm, I, I'm kind of with you. I, I, I longed to be a college student as well. But at that time, what was it that kind of drew the appeal to you? Was it just the you loved learning? Was it, you know, other things? I, I think so. I grew up in West Lafayette, which is a college town. And so really saw, you know, all the co-eds uh, my whole life. And so... You know, naturally, uh, you just kind of relate to them and relate to the activities that are going on and, and say, hey, that's someplace you want to be. Very cool. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about, you know, population health and community health. But let's start, Karen, with you. Kind of, you've had a really interesting career, and, and we're very fortunate to have you now leading our community health efforts. What, what drew you, though, to community health? Talk a little bit about your journey in medicine and what led you here. Um, so I think um, most of you know that I'm a general pediatrician by background, but uh, really my whole career I've been interested in, in managing the health of populations. Going back to joining um, what was then Wishard Hospital and later uh, part of IU Medical Group was really fortunate to, to be part of a whole number of efforts to manage the risk of populations and the health of populations. Greg really gotten uh, heavily involved in our population health efforts, you know, with an IUHP and obviously now heading the systems efforts too. What what drew you to population health? Yeah, to me it's the whole concept and the whole kind of model uh, of care. You know, when I first started my career, uh, truly 34 years ago here, I was hired to kind of be part of the first, you know, back in the 80s, HMO for IU Health and uh, for Indiana University uh, back then. But, uh, uh, you know, that was really all about, back in the HMOs, really all about kind of being gatekeepers and trying to decrease utilization by just not referring patients to specialists in much. And, you know, that concept died out for, for good reasons. But, you know, population health today, uh, it really resonates with me, uh, the concept of, you know, what is it? You, you take, you're responsible for the care of a population, like uh, Dr. Amstead has said, but you use technology to really help you focus on who, who, is, who are the patients 
that need your care the most, who are the, the sickest, uh, that uh, you then wrap more better care around them, uh, whether it's care managers or dietitians or, or social workers. So you stratify your population, figure out who needs you the most, take more better care of them, and then as a result, we do well fiscally and, and we're aligned uh, because those patients stay out of the hospital, uh, they stay out of the emergency room, and since we're sharing in the fiscal risk uh, with them, then we benefit. So it really comes a win-win-win. Uh, the patients benefit because we're providing more better care. Uh, uh, we get uh, the reward as doctors knowing we're uh, providing them with things that they really need and we do well fiscally. So I just like the, the, the model of care nowadays uh, that population health is because uh, if we can do well fiscally and even more importantly the patients do well because we're providing better care than ever before then to me that's uh, uh, motivating and energizing. Yeah, to, to me, in so many ways, if you look at the first part of our mission statement, improve the health of our patients and our community. I mean, the, 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 our population health and community health efforts are, are really a pure fulfillment of that in many ways. Now, we can need to obviously continue to have our acute facilities to take care of patients when they are sick, and that's always going to happen, and they're always going to play a critical role in the health system. But, but really, to me, it, it is, I mean, our population health, community health efforts are really geared towards how we can improve the health of groups of patients in the, in the broader communities that we serve. Now, when we, we all work in this day to day, and even as we do, there's, you know, sometimes gray areas or certainly overlap between what we call population health and community health. And, and um, many of our, our listeners are not working in this day to day. So, Greg, why don't you? Take a crack at kind of describing what population health is, at least in our vernacular, versus what community health is. Yeah, at IU Health, uh, I think we would define population health as providing the care to the group of patients that we take fiscal risk on in some manner. So we provide care to them, but uh, in a way, we're uh, also part like an insurance company. <laughs> we get uh, premium, we get dollars, uh, uh, and then we use them to take care uh, of that uh, uh, population. So population health, by definition, is the group of patients who we're taking fiscal risk on uh, in some manner. Community health, much broader uh, kind of uh, group of folks that we're trying to improve the health and, and impact. Uh, certainly all of our patients uh, that we care for uh, at IU Health, but even beyond that, uh, really trying to improve the care of people who live uh, in our service area in Indiana and, and especially the parts uh, where we have IU Health facilities, trying to improve the care of that population. And I might add that, uh, that um, Really, community health is about improving the health of the community, and then those patients, hopefully, as we grow our population health, will become our population health patients. So it's really important to have a healthy community because those patients then become um, also part of our population health. Uh, great, great point. Because our population, those patients that we are taking you know, risk for, is, is you know, described is growing. I mean, it's it's not only through our own health plan, whether that be Medicare Advantage, our own our own team members and covered dependents and other employers that uh, that we partner with, our accountable care organization. So we're aggressively looking at other ways to grow that too. Now, Karen, we, we've actually had Dr. Gilbert on in the past too and talked about a lot of the good work around addiction art uh, peer recovery coaches. Spencer's been on as well around some of the virtual behavioral health hubs. You know, you, you and the team have also been doing great work around infant mortality, tobacco cessation, obesity, but we've also worked to kind of identify three key priorities, you know, initiatives. Why don't you talk a little bit about those three and what we're focusing on over the next 12 months or so especially? Sure. So our, our focus over the next 12 months is really on three main areas. Um, 
integrating behavioral health across our primary care practices. And we have nearly 100 sites uh, that we're targeting over the next 18 months. Providing tobacco treatment services, again, broadly and using that same scaffolding um, that we're using uh, to provide integrated behavioral health services can also be leveraged you know, through our virtual hub to, to provide tobacco treatment. And then really beginning to think about the root causes of things like infant mortality and obesity, where you've got uh, individuals who are, you know, may have um, food insecurity, transportation issues, um, issues with um, access to, you know, steady access to housing, and really understanding and the social needs of our patients and having the resources that we need to help connect them uh, to the solutions that they need. Uh, to make their life, to improve their lives. And, and those social needs underlie particularly the challenges that folks have with these other conditions. And, and, and hence, um, it's, it's almost like we're stepping back instead of doing, instead of essentially addressing the condition, addressing the causes of the condition uh, through our social needs work. So again, behavioral health, uh, tobacco, and social needs. And we'll discuss that a little bit more too, Karen. You've really educated me and many others around, you know, so-called social determinants of health and, and the importance um, that they play in the health of individuals and communities too. So, you know, and I'm sure people read that a lot, social determinants of health too. You hit on a few of those too, but probably a little bit more description around what we're referring to when we say social determinants of health. Sure, Ron. So uh, when you think about health outcomes, uh, about 60% of, of our health outcomes are because um, of, of the social determinants. And, 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 and you can think about it as the impact of, on health of the places where we live, learn, work, and play. And whether you have access, you know, having access to green space, having access to safe places uh, for your children to play, um, all impact your ability to have uh, activity. Having access to uh, grocery stores that have healthy food is another uh, determinant. Uh, so these factors really impact um, our long-term outcomes, um, and hence they're really important to focus on. Yeah, I think it's just an exciting body of work and back to that pure fulfillment of our mission and thinking about what does a modern-day health system look like and what is the work we should be doing. This is core to it. Greg, Karen, hit first on integration of uh, behavioral health into all of our primary care offices. I've heard you speak from just a practice perspective as well, how important this is. Talk about it, you know, you look at it from your pop health lens, but also as a practicing uh, primary care physician. I mean, how yeah. important is this? Yeah, I've been practiced here for over 30 years, and I've always felt that behavioral health was one of the giant gaps uh, that I had available uh, to me and my patients uh, here in the IU Health uh, system. You know, I would often uh, have to refer patients outside of the system to care, and that was very hard. There just was very, very little access uh, for patients, even with severe behavioral health uh, issues. Um, so investing uh, in this uh, integrated uh, behavioral health primary care, I think, is one of the most important things that uh, uh, we can do. Uh, uh, and it'll have a few different phases, uh, uh, all of which I'll, I'll value as a primary care doctor, a patient shows up, uh, could be uh, acutely suicidal. In the past, I had nothing I could do other than, you know, sending them to the emergency room and uh, to hope that they'd get evaluated. And many of our emergency rooms, uh, uh, you know, previously were not equipped to, to, to really assess people with uh, acute suicide. So to have uh, kind of on demand, uh, virtually, <laughs> uh, instantaneously, while the patient's still in my office, being able to get a, a behavioral health uh, professional to do an assessment and then to help uh, make a disposition is 
that in itself is an unbelievable uh, step forward. Uh, beyond that, uh, when we uh, then roll out truly integrated behavioral health care, uh, uh, we will have uh, uh, screening of folks for depression and anxiety. We'll have behavioral health clinicians who can help us follow those patients along uh, to make sure that uh, we are treating them with uh, uh, the best protocols and actually making sure we're following them, reassessing uh, the state of their depression, and then titrating uh, the medications up, uh, often in primary care across the country. We may, uh, we under-recognize depression and anxiety, and when we do recognize it, often we under-treat it. We don't titrate the medications uh, up to, to where they're really effective. So to have uh, these resources, again, helping follow along uh, our patients and our primary care practices, uh, I think will, will really benefit uh, our patients. Uh, you know, depression and anxiety are really some of those common uh, under-recognized diseases out there. So uh, I think it'll, again, be uh, hugely beneficial to me as a practicing doctor and even more importantly to the patients that we provide the care for. And, and virtual care plays a key role in this as well, right, Karen? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, we, uh, you can think about it as distrib distributing behavioral health services and, and, and a virtual hub gives us the option to really distribute those very broadly across our provider network all the way up to Fort Wayne, uh, into White County, uh, down to Paoli. So it, it's truly a pretty uh, amazing uh, feat uh, for us to actually be able to take advantage of the behavioral health clinicians that we have in Indianapolis and, and ensure that the therapy uh, that, that they can provide is available um, both in you know urban, suburban, and rural areas. And this is something that's not going to lessen in any demand given the climate we're living. I know Karen, you said you know between one and four and one and five primary care patients probably can benefit from these types of services, right? Absolutely, and and. Um, in addition to our behavioral health clinicians having the ability to be therapists and provide brief interventions, they're going to have some additional innovative tools that will allow us to provide cognitive behavioral therapy using digital apps, uh, which are available 24-7. And this is just really in a innovative technology, and, you know, integrating it into primary care is going to be, um, you know, we'll be one of the first uh, organizations to do that within Indiana. So I think it's, you know, another one of the IU Health first uh, that I think we can claim. And something I think as we build it out to IU Health that others probably can benefit from as well too, even outside the system. Now we, we talk about improving behavioral health, Greg, I mean, this, this can also improve though uh, physical health as well too, right? Because uh, behavioral health affects, you know, the things like uh, our ability to treat diabetes or other types of conditions, right? Yeah, you can't separate, uh, you know, behavioral conditions like uh, depression, anxiety from uh, the effectiveness uh, of treatment for lots of chronic diseases, diabetes, hypertension, congestive heart failure. Uh, again, high percentages of patients with chronic diseases have an underlying behavioral health issue. So if you treat that, then you can get better outcomes uh, treating their, their chronic disease so you can help their overall health. Yeah. You know, I, I just want to amplify uh, that this is a big deal. This is, you know, it's something that's been discussed, I think, for a long time. And uh, Greg and Karen and Dr. Gelbert and just a host of others have really worked hard on a, on a roadmap to do this and uh, presented to Senior Strategy and actually sent a note to the team afterwards, you know, with the, I think the subject line was October 2nd. Mm -hmm. And I believe I said something in effect of remember this day, this is a big, big win for our patients. So uh, I think this is a big deal. Uh, and I, I can't thank you all enough for getting us to this point. We got to go do what we say we're going to do, which I, kn I know we will, but uh, 
but the, the impact this can, this is going to have on our patients is just yeah. I truly believe when I retire, you know, there'll be several things that we've done that uh, you know I'll be proud of. Same day primary care, we worked with Ron mm-hmm. on a few years ago. That was a big deal. <laughs> you know, uh, helped. We were the first practices really to roll out electronic medical record. That was a big deal. Uh, but I'm fully convinced that uh, starting uh, this integrated payroll health and primary care will be one of those kind of uh, you know real things that I'll look back to in my career and uh, know that we did good. Uh, we did good for our patients with this. You know, I was speaking with our, a group of our leaders uh, earlier this week and talking about some of the work that's going on you know, across our areas and, you know, in particular, our population health, community health areas. And I commented that in my close to 12 years at IU Health, and, and right, we, we, we're certainly continuing to work through the pandemic and other challenges now, but in my 12 years, I'm not sure I've been more excited about the work ahead of us. Uh, and the impact that can have on the health of our patients and broader community than I am right now, too. And in in saying that, I, I, again, can't say how fortunate, can't say enough how fortunate we are to have Karen, you, and Greg, both of you here in in these leadership roles to help lead us through these things, too. So thank you for all the great work that you and your teams are doing. Thanks for spending some time with us today also. Uh, To the listeners, thank you for listening in and for all the great work that you're doing. And uh, if you have any suggestions for future podcasts, always, as always, feel free to email me at rstiver at iuhealth.org. And we'll look forward to joining you again here soon with our next podcast. Thank you.